It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Turn the Jets Live. I'm your host, Steven Zance, joined by my co-host, Steven Russo. Super excited to talk to you guys this week. You know, it's the season's here. I can smell it in the air. Steven, how you doing? How you feeling? 53-man roster is, is here. I feel good, man. We've made it, right? We're, uh, I don't know, less than two weeks out. Uh, roster cuts was exciting. Different than, than years past, you know, specifically um, recent memory. Uh, Jets have, what, seven guys that they cut that go claimed uh, with other teams, which just kind of shows the, the difference in the depth of the roster. But overall, man, excited for how this roster is shaking out. Um, excited for week one at ba- or week one against Baltimore. And let's, you know, let's get into it, man. How you feeling? I, listen, you know, it's weird. I, I feel less confident about this team for some reason. And I was kind of talking about this in our Slack. It's not it's not that like there's anything that they did with these 53 men roster cuts that like I'm overly concerned about. I mean, we're going to talk about this in a second, but like there's just like the vibes were so good in the off season. Like we got excited, Zach got hurt and then it kind of like stuck like something in our hearts. So I can't, couldn't think of the expression, but I just had this weird feeling and I, I'm just not feeling good about it right now. I mean, look, I know, I know. I've been like very positive and in, in complimentary of what they've done, but like just the Vegas odds are weird. I read this article on the athletic talk. It was basically like a simulator and the projected the Jets have four wins and like the worst total in the league. And I'm just like, there's something, there's just something that doesn't smell right. And I, and I don't want to be negative because I still think that they're going to be much better and everything. It's just, there's something there. And I, I don't know. I, I, I'm hoping I'm going to shake this off after, before the ball. <laughs> You, we, you know, we chatted before the show a little bit on the, the 53-man roster. And now to kick it off, you're just throwing a complete curveball at me. You're catching oh, me just out of nowhere, man. I don't, uh, know what, I don't know how to respond to this. Well, it, you don't have to respond. But we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about this later because we're talking about – we're going to do our um, season predictions, yeah. at, you know, at the end of the show. But um, I want to pass it to you just kick it off. Like, I feel like there's two obvious things that everybody yep. is definitely thinking about and tweeting about, but about this 53 men roster and, you know, how the, it's shaping up. What do you think so far? Give me, give me one of those thoughts and then we'll, I'll talk about the other. Yeah. So um, I think it's pretty obvious. My biggest surprise, and I tweeted it out this morning uh, as I thought more about it was really, it didn't surprise me that Zonovan Knight made the roster. I thought he was deserving of it. I thought he should have, I thought going with youth overall at the position considering Tevin Coleman's injury history. And I think kind of unspoken there is really the leadership role that Michael Carter has taken. I think that speaks kind of volumes to really um, what the Jets think of him and his leadership value in the locker room and the role that he's taken, plus kind of taking that over from Tevin Coleman, which is something that they looked to him to do last year. So it didn't surprise me that Zonovan Knight made the roster. It did surprise me that they kept four running backs and that Ty Johnson was the fourth guy and Tevin Coleman wasn't. Um, that was the thing that just, I just don't think, I don't think Ty Johnson really impressed last season, specifically late. And then at all, really this camp, this preseason, he just doesn't, I I just, I don't think he did enough to really make the roster. I don't think he showed enough. Now, again, I've always said it. I'm not a coach. I'm not in that room. I'm not on those practice fields. I don't see what they see. However, it just seemed to me, it, it was odd a, that they kept four 
running backs. I don't really know the the strategy behind that. Uh, but to keep four and to have Tevin Coleman not be one of the four, that was probably the biggest surprise to me as uh, as roster cuts came down yesterday afternoon. Yeah, no, you hit on a lot of good points here. And I, I, I'm going to make the case as to why they kept Ty Johnson, which I will fully admit I don't agree with. They like him as a running back. I mean, he's not good at catching the ball. I, I was actually listening a little bit to Rich Zamini's podcast while I was working out today, and he was talking about that one game when he hit three drops. Like, if you're supposed to be a third down back, because, like, maybe that's what they view him at, as, because technically they haven't really named that guy. That's scary. Mm-hmm. The second thing is he's not good in pass protection, which is what you want from a guy who may not be an every down back, but you could throw him in there on third down when you know you're probably not heading the ball off. Um, so those are a little concerning, but I will say like as a pure running back, he's not bad. Like he, he has some, he has some juice. Like we, one of the things we liked about him when he did get opportunities as just as a runner purely, he, he was a shot out of the cannon, which, you know, when we were watching Frank Gore, he was slower slow as anything and like that was fun to see him in 2020 but I agree with you it it just didn't make a ton of sense especially because the staff really likes Tevin Coleman he was like you know the season vet in the room I mean there's always the case that maybe they bring Coleman back after they like move some guys to IR and you know some other like changes before week one but I, I, I was very surprised as well yeah. Um, was happy about Zonovan which I think we were talking we've been talking about him a lot for the past month or so I don't think he's going to have much of a role on offense. Maybe if if there's an injury to someone like Ty Johnson, he'll get some opportunities, but I think he'll purely be um, a special teams guy, maybe even the return game, even though I feel like Berrios is definitely the pencil in as the punt returner, but Tevin Coleman's role last year in obviously besides being, you know, the third back on the depth chart was, you know, he was essentially a kick returner. So maybe mm-hmm. that's what they envisioned on him and they want a little more juice and youth. So that that's what I think. But at the end of the day, the roster's not set. They're going to be making some changes ahead of the Ravens game. So I wouldn't be overly concerned because their top two backs, we both really like, you know, we're excited about Brees. We're excited about Michael Carter. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, it's, it was surprising. That was it is. And, and, you know, Ty Johnson had moments last year, no question. Um, I think specifically in that Bengals game, he had a nice touchdown, if, if I can remember correctly. But he also had moments where he looked just completely lost and was very costly, both in the two things that you mentioned and, and drops and pass protection. I guess my problem is if the, the thought process is to keep him as a third down back, that means that Michael Carter or Brees Hall are coming off the field. And let's not make any bones about it here. Those are the best two running backs that you have in that room. Not and even close. <laughs> it's, it's really not even close. So get both of them on the field as much as possible. So if one of them's off, that means the other one's on. I get it. You got to rotate. That's, that's the LaFleur system. It's the Shanahan system. However, if you're taking one of those guys off the field to put Ty Johnson on, I have a problem with that. Totally agree. Um, I'm going to shift to like who I, what I was most surprised about because that was certainly something that caught my eye, but it's the safety room. And obviously you could go on at nausea about Ashton Davis, but it was also the fact that Pinnock was cut and Will Parks was cut. Obviously Pinnock was picked up by the giants, which is, is sour of a taste in your mouth as it can get other than him going to an AFC East team, most, most specifically the Patriots, but they did re-sign Will Parks to the practice squad, but Will Parks was having a really good training camp. You always would hear the guys in the beat talking about him, and he had that really nice hit. I, I think it was in – was it in the Falcons game? Yes, I think yeah. it was in the Falcons, not the Giants game. And he was someone that seemed like he was really emerging, could be a depth piece and maybe contribute you know, in, qu- in small quantities. But 
Overall, they, I mean, they, they're going with a guy named Tony Adams, who I'm not going to bash because mm-hmm. he's not a free agent. I've never seen him play. He, he's coming out of Illinois. I'm not a big Big Ten guy, so I didn't really watch him much in college. So I don't want to like say something you know without knowing a lot about him. But it's it's a good story. It's interesting because I think only him and Zonovan were the only two UDFA's who made the roster from, uh, well, I guess the, the 53 man, not the uh, practice squad. So maybe the staff sees thinking him because there's always guys who are undrafted who end up becoming legit starters in the NFL. Like most of the league is undrafted. So it could be something that they're seeing that we don't. But, you know, the fact that Pinnock, who I thought looked pretty decent at, in the Buccaneers game, I mean, maybe it was just because the safety position was so bad and he just was like slightly better. Mm-hmm. But those are guys who have already been in the defense. And I was just a little bit disappointed. I'm going to go into action and I saw some people in the comments talking about action, how it's bothering them. I just don't get it. The only justification that I have right now is he's a third round pick and Joe Douglas is like, I've already cut so many guys from this class. Becton's hurt. Mims is basically going on the, he has one foot out the door because they're going to trade him probably if a team has an injury, you know, in the next two, two weeks or even really just ahead of the deadline. Cause that team is going to want him. He has some value around the league, but Pirine's gone. Zaniga's gone. Um, Bryce Hall's still here. Mann's still here. But Ashton Davis just does, is not a good football player. And no, no disrespect. Like, I get it. He, he's an NFL player. He has some talent. He's athletic and stuff. But I just don't see it. And he always looks lost. He's taking bad angles. It, and we've talked about this a million times, too. It's just like he's an athlete trying to play football. He's not a football mm-hmm. player. That's my take on the safety room. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's clear that running back and safety were probably the two positional groups that you could have problems with as you looked at the cuts made yesterday. Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think you're spot on. I guess my biggest problem, uh, kind of furthering your point, is Tony Adams. I, I can't pretend to know, you know, a lot about him. I don't. Uh, what I do know is what I heard, you know, Connor Rogers saying on, on the Badlands Pod was that, um, you know he's a converted corner, uh, you know, making the positional switch to safety. So you have LaMarcus Joyner, who clearly is uh, dinged up frequently. He's missed, what, the last two seasons? I mean, you can't even count, you know, the the number of snaps that he played, uh, really. And you got Ashton Davis, who's also dinged up. So now you got two safeties in front of a transitional corner into safety, um, ahead, you know, ahead of him that are frequently dinged up. And now, he, you know, that's where they are ahead of him starting. So it's just kind of concerning. Just the safety group is concerning outside of Jordan Whitehead. So I really don't see it. And that, that it makes you more upset when you think about the four running backs, knowing that they could have gone to three and maybe kept Will Parks and, you know, as opposed to the four running backs and, and added that position there. So I don't know. I mean, I can't pretend to, to know and be in that room and know what they're doing. I, I have to believe that they have a strategy. Um, they've been through this Salah and Douglas, you know, kind of continually um, praise the strategy, uh, you know, that they do have. So I have to put my trust in them, uh, but overall how the running back room and the safety room kind of shook out. I think those are the two most kind of confusing things for all Jets fans. Yeah, it, it was weird. I really don't think anything else was too surprising. I know the beat was surprised that Wesco got let go. I'm not surprised. I'm not. I've watched him play for yeah. what, three years already. He stinks. Like I rather, you know, I know Baldwin's on IR right now. So that he is expected to return It's short term, not long-term. So they potentially may move someone around mm-hmm. so he could be on the active roster when he returns. But I think Ruckert's going to be playing that H-back role. Um, and then I'm trying to think of the other one that was interesting, but Surprise keep was Nathan Shepard. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm so, I know they need interior depth, but I thought that Jonathan, Jonathan Marshall was ready to fill that role. 
who's on the practice I, squad. So he who is on that. the, you know, but you know, six round draft pick last year. I got And the thing is with Jonathan Marshall is that I got to continue to remind myself like stuff like this and how I felt last year when they made that pick, it's like, Oh, really make it another, you know, interior defensive lineman pick. What are we doing? And then here I am a year later and I'm upset that they, that they cut him and, and bring him back to the practice squad. But honestly, man, overall <laughs> 10,000 foot view, you can't have too many problems with it. Um, the one other thing that I will say, I was, and I, I can't really make an argument for who I would have uh, cut over him. I was surprised that Hams and Nasruddin got cut and just completely let go. Um, I was, uh, for some reason, I, I feel like I was just hearing more and more that he was making plays in camp. I do think that Sherwood uh, impressed more than he did. So it doesn't surprise me that Sherwood made it over Nasruddin. I was just, um, I was surprised a little bit that uh, that they completely caught him. Yeah, it seemed like he was trending in that that regard. Yeah. And I think the fact what's a little concerning is like, I get it, Hamza hasn't impressed so far and he was hurt a lot of his rookie season, but the linebackers are thin. So mm-hmm. like, at least he has history in the system, even if he yeah. was hurt last year. So like, you feel safer with him than someone who's trying to learn the system who never played in it last year. Um, I do think there'll be some moves. Like I'm sure there'll be more veterans added to this roster, especially when IR, you know, shakes out. Um, but Hamza, I believe, did get signed to the practice. But most of the guys that they cut, with the exception of Pinnock, that we wanted them to keep are here. So like Pinnock, um, what's it called? Parks is here. Straveler's here. The GOAT. Everyone's excited about Chris Straveler. Um, I'm trying to think. I think Zuniga, I'm not 100%. I know Grant Hermans was kept on the practice squad. I have to take a look. But most of the guys that they kept were part of the team all summer. So no surprises there. I do think Will Parks will be elevated to the the roster at some point because LaMarcus Joyner has not shown he could be healthy for two years. And that's also why I'm concerned. I don't think Joyner is a bad player necessarily. I think he actually could be solid for them if he could stay out there. But there's not a lot of indication that he's going to because he's gotten older and he's had trouble staying on the field the last two seasons. So yeah, that that's kind of where my head's at with it. Um, I know you touched on this in the top of the show, but they you mentioned how the Jets had seven guys actually claimed, which was the highest among any team in the league. It's also the highest that people can really recall in recent memory. So you can look at it in two folds. You can look at one, the Jets are amazing and they have all this great talent and that's why they cut these guys or two, they don't know what the hell they're doing. So what do you think of this? I, I'm, I mean, I lean it more optimistic, but what do you think about this? Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think it could be a, a slight combination of both, but, um, and it's not like the Jets are so booming with talent from one to 53, uh, or let's say one to 60, uh, you know, that, that the, the seven guys they get rid of are, are going to go and, and be starters on, on, on these other teams. But it just makes you feel a lot better about the back end talent and the bottom of the roster, which is something that is severely lacked you know, for the last however many years. So that's why the Jets were one injury away from, you know, not being good in certain spots where I just think the overall depth of the roster has really improved to the point where you're cutting guys that were draft picks in in recent years, which you don't want to do. No one ever wants to do that. However, you have to make those tough decisions. So I, I really think that it speaks more of the former that the Jets just have depth and quality depth um, and guys that are actually competent enough to be signed to other NFL rosters, which is a good thing. And I know we'll probably touch on it here, but, you know, Joe Caparoso's uh, draft chart from, what is it, 2016, 2017 until now? 2015. First year, now. first year of McCagnon. Okay, is first year of It which, really is. not. Which, sorry, go Go ahead. I'm, it's, I'm building off this point because I tweeted this yeah. out yesterday when I saw it in an article from uh, Zach Rosenblatt from The Athletic. 
Nathan Shepard is the longest tenure jet on the team. It's right the that is thing. the saddest thing you'll ever yes. hear. This guy shouldn't even be on the team. And that's what it. we're talking about here. Oh my God. Like he gets penalties. He's not good. Yes. He's been average at best. <laughs> and man, that, that tells you everything you need to know about being a Jets fan in the last yes. decade when that's in 2022, your longest tenure member. I know so it's, sad. it's a sad truth, a sad reality, but no, seeing that chart and all of the, players that are just no longer in the NFL is really, it's alarming. It's hard to be that bad. Um, but again, that, now you look at what, you know, the question that you just asked. So you look at where they came from. And now the fact that the guys that are saying the guys that they cut are signed to NFL rosters. I think that's an encouraging sign that the back end of this roster, the bottom of this roster has depth. It has quality. Um, that's a good thing. It's something that we haven't had in a long time, but. Yeah. Except somehow Chuma Adoga got claims. <laughs> that guy's terrible. Uh, He's as experienced starting, so maybe that's how that's a team it. like Atlanta views it. And they did get to see him up close because, you know, we scrimmage with them for two days. And then also, um, mm-hmm. obviously, the preseason games, that's probably it. why they decided to claim him. Mm-hmm. He sucks. <laughs> There's no way around I think it's, it's just offensive line depth <laughs> is just such a scarce thing right now. That's why teams are just clamoring for it. And, and I mean, it's, it's really the quality of it is not there. Because especially, especially for like, I mean, he's obviously tackle, but like center, like if your starting center goes down, like I, I always have flashbacks to when Nick Mangle got hurt when Sanchez was the quarterback and they put mm-hmm. that guy from Arizona. I can't remember his name, but man, it went downhill so quick. Like the Jets just literally looked so like inept and they couldn't yeah. like just function as an offense. And it's a scary, it's scary. And I agree with you. You can never have enough offensive linemen, which is why Dwayne Brown was being, uh, considered even before Mackay Becton got hurt, and now he's he's starting and he's looking good. So I'm I'm excited. Yes. Um, so I feel like we talked about safety. We talked about um, you know potentially a different running back. But uh, where where else would you like the Jets to make a move? Like based on you know the current depth, I feel like linebacker would be something. But uh, you want to make the case for I don't know position? I don't know about linebackers simply because I don't know who you I don't know the roster gymnastics that would have to to happen in order to make it happen. I think right now, honestly, I feel better about linebacker than I did in 2021. That's for certain. I feel like the addition of Quan Alexander, knowing that most of the time they're going to run nickel and it's going to be CJ with either Quincy Williams or Quan Alexander. I feel pretty good about that. Now you got Sherwood to back them up. I think the one place that I would look to add, and it's exactly what we just talked about, and it's a scarce resource right now, but the Jets have one swing tackle and that's Max Mitchell right now, considering Connor McDermott is on the roster, but on IR, right? So that's where I'd look to add is, is, is tackle depth, but you're not going to find it. So that, that's a tough spot. So gun to my head, man, we already talked about it, but the spot that I would look to is safety. And I think you and I spoke about it before the show. Tony Jefferson uh, gone, I believe, went to the Giants practice squad. Is that what we what we heard? Yeah, um, he's in the practice squad. So was Pinnock. Yeah, I think and, the, and Anthony Harris, I forgot which team, but he was also signed. I think he's playing. going back to the Eagles practice squad. So the guy that would re, you know remain out there is Jaquiski Tart, who Salah has some familiarity with from, from San Francisco. So that's probably the one move that, that I think is realistic that I would look to make unless someone uh, somehow in the coming days shakes free on, on a, you know, offensive tackle depth that I would look to bring in. Yeah. I'll say this though, when you're talking about Max Mitchell and you brought up a good point, like, you know, he's like the swing tackle, the backup guy. I think it's a good sign actually, yeah. because he made it over Adoga as bad as we think Adoga is. And maybe he's, you know, that's not really saying much for a rookie fourth round pick to be trusted in that role over someone who's been in the league for a few years, has experience as a starter. Not that that's saying anything because he was like put in a spot duty. 
that says something that they trust Max Mitchell where they trust Adoga, which is yep. good. It means he's yeah. progressing the way they want to. I think they would prefer him to be someone next year, if anything, in that role, not this year, but I'm encouraged that he beat out someone who's been in the league for a few years and especially who's been on this team for a few years. So that's, yeah. that's definitely something that's at least encouraging, even though you don't want to have a rookie tackle who wasn't like someone who was penciled to be like a, a day one starter there, but I'll take it. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's, you know, obviously the roster uh, cuts and getting down to 53 has kind of dominated the news uh, recently, but let's go back to the Giants game. Talk to me about your feelings on that kind of, it was a very exciting game, obviously, but talk to me overall about what you thought on the Giants game. So, I mean, defense, I thought looked really good, at least with the, the first. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Team. I thought the defensive line looked awesome. I know they were going against backups, so I'm going to you know take that for what it is. But Carl Lawson was everything that I hope to see. Obviously, you need to see it in a re- regular game, but like it's consistent with what you heard about him last summer. It's consistent with what you heard about him this summer. Just flying into the backfield. That first step is amazing. That Quinton looked really good. He looked spry. I mean, Michael Clevens looked awesome. Um, I will say, like, you know, sauce still hasn't been thrown at. So like, you're, you gotta be pretty excited about that. Like, I mean, he's ranking well in PFF grades. I know we always joke. That's like, <laughs> you trust them in their favor, but you don't trust them when they're not in your favor, but people like what they see from him. Like I've seen, you know, credible people, you know, in, in the, in the NFL saying that like he looks the part when they look at him on film already. So that's got to have you excited. Um, I know people were com- kind of panicking about the offense because they didn't look so crisp. I think, looked as bad as we're saying I, he missed a couple throws I will say that through a really bad interception but he was getting the ball out quick which I want to see which has been an issue for Jets quarterbacks for so long and he was hitting Elijah hit Conklin the guys you want to see so it wasn't good like he was just like eh. mm-hmm. he was a little up and down um Elijah looked really good mm-hmm. so I was excited about mm-hmm. that People were dump like you know ragging on Michael Carter because of that fumble. I mean, listen, he's gonna it's gonna happen. It's not good. Don't don't get me wrong, but like they had no holes, which you could blame that this time that entire offensive line is played together in real live action. So overall, like I'm fine with it. I it, I still think of preseason it doesn't really matter, even if yeah. this is the quote unquote dress rehearsal. But uh, you know. We'll talk about this in what, like 10 days when they, when they, after the Ravens game or whatever it is, I I can't even think how long it is, but my point is I'm not overly concerned about anything. Mm -hmm. I just want to see everything. I know I teased in the beginning of the show that I just haven't had a good feeling, but it has nothing to do with anything in the preseason. It just was like, 
this intuition that kind of just hit me today. I don't know. I was Sad. going down rabbit holes, just reading stuff about the team. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about you? <laughs> yeah, I was honestly, I think uh, anyone bagging on the offense, I don't, I just didn't see it. I thought they moved the ball and outside of, uh, you know, a bad fumble by Michael Carter, which was honestly on the, on the heels of a great play, uh, you know, Flacco being nimble, moving out right and hitting Carter, you know, back to his left. And then Carter making a nice move to get the first, but ultimately fumbled like, okay, so be it. Let, get it out of the way in preseason. Let's, you know, let's move forward. But the offense moved the ball and the Flacco pick was terrible. Like that's, it's, it was that's like Sanchez and stuff. That was, was like a Sanchez interception. And as a 37 year old Super Bowl champion, like you can't make that freaking throw. Um, but overall, I think Flacco looked decent and he moved the ball and they got first downs and got everybody involved. You saw Michael Carter get involved. You saw uh, Brees Hall run for a first down. Corey Davis caught a first down. Elijah made a nice catch and ran over a corner. Barrios was involved. So it just, you know, honestly, the offense seemed pretty good. And I think that's okay. Even if it's against the Giants twos, whatever, I'll take it. I thought they moved the ball. I thought this was the, um, from the starters, this was probably their best performance of the preseason. Uh, I think low bar to clear, but still it's, it was encouraging going in. <laughs> Isn't every bar low to clear with this franchise? Yes, but hard. you know, you, you feel semi-encouraged about it. And I would, I would wholeheartedly agree with you on the defensive line performance. So there's no question in my mind that Carl Lawson is the linchpin that's holding this whole thing together. And he's going to be that added, uh, extra piece of juice to this D line that will open up everybody else. I think he is the most important piece for Quinn Williams to have a breakout year. And then when you couple that with the addition of guys like Michael Clemens, uh, like Jermaine Johnson, Sheldon Rankins, obviously playing healthy. I think this defensive line has the chance to be great. I am jaded because I said that last year, I thought they were going to be the strength of that defense and they underwhelmed to the millionth degree. But I really do think that Carl Lawson, if healthy, if he brings 75% of what we think he can, it's going to be the difference maker where the, this D-line can wreak havoc. Now, you also couple that with a uh, more confident cornerback room. Uh, I, I shouldn't say it. Well, yes, definitely more confident cornerback rooms. You add Sauce Gardner, who's got swagger. But I think the fan base is definitely more confident in the quarterback room now that you got Sauce and guys like DJ Reed. Uh, it, the, the defense could be so much better than it was uh, in 2021. And again, low bar to clear, but we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it. listen, at the end of the day, like, we just want this defense to not get their doors blown off anymore. We want this defense to keep the offense in the game, and obviously we want the offense to score a touchdown. This is what we want. Like, it's 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 simple. It's just like, you know, get, get to the quarterback, force turnovers, don't get gashed to the run game. Because, like, remember that stupid, like, you know, a little victory lap the Jets used to have. It. Oh, we were like the number two run defense in the league when they weren't a good team. I'm like, yes. who cares that being about being <laughs> the best run defense in a passing league when you're still losing games? And they, they still anything. couldn't defend a screen pass to save their lives. But yeah. Oh, my God. Let's see if that finally <laughs> changes after, what, 12 years since like the, the peak Rex years. It's just I, I, I need to just see this defense actually get off the field and not give up, you know, a touchdown every first quarter in the first drive. Like, it, it's just it, – I don't even know what to say anymore. I just need to see it change. And that's, yeah. it's kind of like where, like I had this like PTSD. I feel like that's where like these negative yeah. thoughts, I feel like the dark cloud is hovering over the team. I don't know, but. I, oh, it's not sad. <laughs> I need to be the beacon of positivity and hope for this show now, man. That you're just, I know, you're, I, know you're, I know. My record prediction just keeps ticking up every time you talk about the sadness. <laughs> Good. Uh, it's going to be 13 and four by the end of the show. Oh my God. I never <laughs> say anything like that. Um, I, I will, I will say though, if we go back to the, to the giants game and you mentioned it, but seeing Flacco hit 
Tyler Conklin down the seam just brought so much joy to me. Like yeah, a tight end that runs a beautiful seam route and gets yak on it with a nice, nicely thrown ball over the middle. Like that is just, it, it was, it was so sweet to see. I, I missed it so much. Uh, I know it's like Dustin Keller reincarnated over here. <laughs> okay, he's going to be better than Dustin Keller. He could be. I, I think he that. could be. Um, it's just funny with him though. Cause like he is not getting any fantasy buzz. I, I understand people are are proceeding with caution with a Jets offensive player yeah. other than Elijah Moore and I guess Brees Hall because of volume. Yep. But like, if you read anything about this team, like we do, like you're following closely, he's been very, very good all of camp. One of the best players on offense for sure. And somebody's going to have to catch passes. Like he didn't even go, I did a draft last night. He didn't go, he didn't get picked. I'm like keeping, obviously keeping my eye on him to see if like how he does in the first couple of weeks before I decided to make a claim. Cause I think by, I took Dalton Schultz. So he would be my mm-hmm. backup or maybe potentially a flex guy, but like, he could be really sneaky, and I thought he showed a lot of promise last year in Minnesota. I think he yeah. caught 60 balls, right? That's yeah. pretty damn good for a guy who was not a high draft pick, who's mm-hmm. a tight end, you know? In, in an offense with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. So, and I think that's the biggest question when you talk about Tyler Conklin and when you talk about really any Jets fantasy value outside of Elijah Moore is really how they're going to spread the wealth. Because I don't think they have that, you know, they don't, Elijah Moore is the guy, but outside of that, I think we've talked about it, you know, you know, Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson, Tyler Conklin, C.J. Uzama are probably all going to be really fighting where that two, three, four, five, uh, you know, where those targets go, it's going to be a mishmash and they're all going to be kind of grouped together. But I do think Conklin could kind of separate himself there. But I, I agree with you. I think he's going under the radar. I think all the attention goes to Elijah Moore um, and really Garrett Wilson, too, because the number 10 pick overall. So especially in like keeper leagues and stuff like that. Uh, but I think Tyler Conklin could be a really, really good pick. Yeah. That target share could could increase as the season goes on. I'm glad you brought up Garrett and I'm a little concerned about this. It's not necessarily him as a player, but it was the fact that he's like not lining up as a starter very much in the preseason. It's kind of been a consistent trend. I know he's obviously going to play and everything like that, but it makes me think that we're going to see a similar trajectory that we saw with Elijah as a rookie. Like it's going to take him some time to really, you know, establish himself and feel comfortable as a, as an NFL player. Like, I do think he's going to get some touchdowns. I do think he's going to have some impressive uh, jump balls, but I also think there's going to be some growing pains. I mean, mm-hmm. if you read anything about this team, he's had some drops, which, you know, you don't want to see. It's been a frustrating thing because that's been Corey's, um, you know, Achilles heel as well, which he's apparently Courtney. Um, I think it was Ethan Greenberg on Will's pod saying that Corey Davis was the best receiver in Jets camp, which I find surprising because mm-hmm. everyone else would say it was Elijah Moore. That's, that's everything I heard, but maybe yeah. just like for, like in terms of jump balls and doing some acrobatic stuff, maybe, but like, I I just want to see Garrett progress. Like I, I'm not expecting him to be, you know, someone who's going to catch five balls a week. Like that, that's probably not going to happen early on, but I just want him to get better as the season goes on. But I am a little concerned that he's like, I feel like he's behind Barrios a little bit sometimes in three sets. Yeah. I mean, I'm not as concerned. I don't think as you are, I would say that the off the offensive coaching staff I think has an infatuation with with Berrios and rightfully so I think he proved a lot down the stretch last season but I think it speaks more volumes to the talent that the Jets have on the offensive side of the ball specifically at at the weapons where they can spread the wealth and they really don't have to bring Garrett Wilson in immediately and rely on him to contribute immediately so I think bringing him along slowly is you know probably a good thing I want to see him get reps I want to see him get catches I think the talent's there but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna worry too much about preseason reps and and three wide receiver sets kind of going Berrios direction um over Garrett Wilson I think the season will will roll along and and we'll see soon enough but um I think ultimately 
ultimately it's probably a good thing that the Jets don't have to, you know, rely on a number 10 overall pick to come in and, and contribute immediately and, and be the guy. Um, if the offense is struggling, you know, and, and no one's getting separation and, and, you know, we, uh, we see Barrios not doing anything and Garrett Wilson still can't get on the field. And we're kind of in a Denzel Mims uh, from early last season situation. Then I'd be concerned, but overall I'll pump the brakes up being, uh, you know, getting uh, hyped up about it right now. <laughs> totally fair. Um, <laughs> I want to uh, cap the show with record yep. predictions. Obviously next week is technically week one, but we're going to be talking a lot more about, you know, previewing the se- previewing the game versus the actual season itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to pass it to you. I want you to give our fans your record prediction and give us a little, you know, justification as to why you feel this way. And then I'll go with mine. Um, my, both of them will actually be in the Badlands season preview guys. So any Badlands subscribers, you'll see this in more written form, but Mm -hmm. I'll try not to give away as much. I'll just be a little more vague, but I'll, I'll go into it. What do you got? All right. So I'm going to go with my optimistic self. I'm going to go nine and eight but the Jets just miss out on a playoff spot, but they are playing meaningful games in December, um, which is really all this fan base can ask for. I just think there's, I think the, I believe in the coaching staff um, tremendously. Honestly, I believe in Robert Sala. I believe in what he's building. I believe in the culture that he has brought here and that he's built upon. I am buying in to players wanting to be here and wanting to play for him. And I think that this team has a lot more talent than they did last year. And I think they're going to be way more competitive. I have trust in Joe Flacco in week one. And I really think that Zach Wilson is poised to make a significant year two jump really because of the additions that they made on, on, you know, in with the weapons and on the offensive side of the ball. So the fact that the jets have kind of, um, numerous weapons at their disposal is something that is a welcome change of pace from years past the addition of uh, Brees Hall, along with Michael Carter, I think the running game, I, I really just see where I think they're going to surprise some people. I think they come out of September two and two. And honestly, I think they can kind of build off of that for the rest of the season. I think it gets softer as the year goes on. So ultimately, I'm going to say nine and eight. I'm going to say third in the AFC East uh, behind Buffalo, who's obviously number one in Miami, number two. Um, they'll vie for a wild card spot, but ultimately not make it. But it's a good building block year for uh 2023 and where they can really you know make a run winning season wow winning season (laughs) and i do as we already mentioned the show i just there's no way for this defense to go backwards they're going to be improved but i think the defensive line is the key to this and i think they really really have a shot to get after the quarterbacks uh, on the other side of the ball i would be very happy with a 9-8 season i uh, here comes two and 15 man no 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 it's not that bad Um, i'm gonna go (laughs) I'm going to go seven and 10. Um, I've been going back and forth between seven and 10, eight, nine, basically the whole summer. I've had moments where I've thought one, moments where the other. I've decided seven and 10 is the hill I'm going to die on. Um, it sounds worse because you're losing double digit games, which is like a frustrating thing as a Jets fan, because it seems like that's just the story of the franchise. But obviously winning seven games would be, you know, nearly double their win total from year over year, which is to me a very good improvement. Obviously, if they get to eight, then you're like, okay, this is this is something here because you're basically 500 in the new 17 week schedule. Um, I do think uh, you know Joe Flacco holds it down pretty well, you know, as long as he's a starter, whether it's one week, two weeks, three. Even though I think it's only going to be the first week, and Zach will be back for Cleveland. Um, I do think offensively, you're going to see a lot of growth, especially with Lafleur as a play caller, because you know it was a rough stretch for him. You know, in the beginning of 2021, people wanted to fire him after the first month, and then over time, he got better. I think 
you're going to see a lot more of what you saw the back half of the year. And I think he's going to be better than that, especially because he has better options to work with. Like he was doing a lot with a little at, at, at points. So um, I do think you're going to see that. I think when Zach does return, I think he's going to improve. I don't think it's going to be this like Joe Burrow, like type leap, which Chris Sims said, uh, I think it was right before the hall of fame game. So a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago, I think it's going to be more along the lines of what we saw from Josh Allen in year two. And I'm not saying he's on the trajectory of Josh Allen. He's going to be Josh Allen year three. I think he's going to, you know, throw over t- 20 touchdown passes. I think maybe 10 interceptions. I think he will still be prone to him because he likes to take chances. I think he's going to complete around like 64, 65% of his passes, which is a very solid number. I'm not like asking him to do 70%. That's not feasible. Um, I also think he's going to be probably around 4,000 yards, maybe a little bit less because he obviously is missing a game and he could miss a few. Um, But overall, I think he's going to take steps. You're going to like what you see from Garrett overall. Same thing with Brees. I think Elijah emerges as the best player on this football team by the end of the season. Um, I did have another prediction of him in the, the season preview guide, which I'll I'll say for the readers. Uh, going back defensively, I like you said, the defense can't go anywhere but up. So I do expect this defense to actually be the better of the two units. I actually think they could be a top 15 defense, which is pretty like, I know it's average on the surface, but if this is a top 15 defense, that means the Jets are going to be in football games. And that means that they're not going to get the do- doors blown off. It's going to give them a chance week in, week out. I think you're going to see significant improvements in getting to the quarterback. I think the, the secondary, other than maybe the safety spots, could be much improved. I think Sauce is going to flirt with uh, defensive uh, rookie of the year, which is going to be awesome because, you know, we're going to go ride his, ride that coattail as much as we can. Um, I do think you'll see somebody emerge who you didn't expect. And I actually think that guy's going to be Michael Clemens. I think Michael Clemens is going to be a legit contributor in year one. I know it's crazy to say because we have Jermaine Johnson, but an interesting nugget that I heard on Rich Samini's podcast today was he has actually been better than Jermaine Johnson throughout training camp, which is, you can look at it in two ways. You could look at it as that's concerning about Jermaine, but I also think it, like if one of them hits, I don't really care which one, yeah. right? Yeah. It's get us someone who's a legit player on this defensive line that is young and can emerge over time. I, we talked about this a couple episodes ago. I think it was with Jake Asman. Like the Ravens took Hayden Hurst in the first round and then took Mark Andrews in the fifth round. Mm-hmm. Mark Andrews is the one who panned out. I don't think Ravens care that Hayden Hurst didn't work out because Mark Andrews did. So like yeah. if Michael Clemens ends up being really good, I really don't care if Jermaine Johnson. So be it. It's just added. It's just, you know, it's icing on the cake. But yeah. going back to it, seven and 10, I think, you know, Zerloin is actually going to be a major upgrade in the kick game, which is going to help us in, you know, crucial situations. I talked about it already before he's kicked the team to go to the Super Bowl. So I trust him in a big spot. Um, But yeah, so I know I started with a little bit of gloom and doom, but like, I'm going to shake that off. I'm going to get excited. I mean, that's not, I'll take that all day from you. you, Yeah, I'm not not going to that five and 12. We're not going to see you walking around with a Robert Sala positive vibes only shirt on. You you know, you, what are you doing? Uh, All right. Well, (laughs) going back to it, just, something I, I just I don't know like there's just so much negativity about them in the media it's like it's kind of like getting to my head like, yeah. I think that's what it is it's like I just see that snarky tweet from Mike Lombardi um you know you could how you could look at the seven guys getting claim either they are the smartest team in the world or they don't know what they're doing yeah like stuff like that's just annoying and bothers I, me it just the, yeah the media is like fading them that's really what it is which I should take it as that's a good thing because that like you want to be slept on and I think it'll mm-hmm. have this team play with a chip on their shoulder. But the Jets are until proven otherwise, 
they've been awful. So it's like, I need to see it yeah. before I believe it. And I'm hoping I that I do see it. That I'm you. like, I'm not rooting for the device or anything. I just <laughs> don't have a good feeling until proven otherwise, you know, like I don't go over September. You cannot and, go over yes. September. We've talked no. about this at nothing. This just can't happen. You can't. And honestly, like the national coverage, it's a mile wide and an inch deep. So they just don't know enough about the Jets to say one way or another. So that's why it's very easy to just paint with a broad brush and think that the Jets are the same inept team that they've been for the last, you know, 10 plus years. Um, but I agree with you. I get it. And you always kind of have that black cloud until they prove you otherwise. But I choose positivity. I'm going to be optimistic. The Jets are going to have a winning record this year. And, hey, maybe they come out and they beat Baltimore week one. I don't know, man. I got a feeling. Joe Flacco revenge game. We'll see what happens. But <laughs> it, no matter what, I think this season will be fun, barring any injuries. I think that the improvement is there across the board. They definitely have better weapons. You feel better about the quarterback position simply because that's going to take that, that – he's going to take a leap in year two. How big the leap is, is you know, we're going to determine that. Um, but second year in the little floor system with better weapons surrounding him. I think this offensive line simply for the fact let's call Moses and Dwayne Brown an even swap, right? We can fairly say that the addition of Lake and Tomlinson immediately makes this team, uh, this offensive line, a better, a better unit. You got Carl Lawson coming back on the defensive line. It's improved. You got Quan Alexander added to the, to the linebacking core. That's an improved unit. You got sauce Gardner and DJ Reed on the outside. That's an improved cornerback position safety. It's gotta be better, right? Jordan Whitehead over Marcus May, who was injured. Uh, you know, LaMarcus Joyner, who was, you know, slated to start last year um, over the revolving door at free safety they had, you know, for, for the full season. So it's literally improved at every spot on the roster. They can't go backwards. I think we're going to see improvement. It should be much more fun to watch this year than it was last year. Let's just hope the defense can, to your point, um, be up to par a little bit more, not have those games where they just get the doors blown off. You know, you think back to last year, the Saints game, the, the Eagles game, the Colts game, they couldn't stop a nosebleed. They just didn't have a chance from the jump. Let's make sure that we don't have any more of those games this year. At least we're, you know, we got a fighting chance in the fourth quarter. Yep. You hit it on the head, man. I, I think that's a good way to cap it with positivity instead of my negativity. <laughs> um, but yeah, we appreciate everybody who tuned in tonight and we appreciate everybody who's been listening on the podcast feed, which is a reminder. If you have not already, please subscribe on Apple or uh, Spotify, you know, turn, turn on the Jets live and you'll see our logo, TOJ with our names. Um, also, if you give us a review, uh, we really appreciate that because all the reviews come a long way for us. Um, obviously, if you follow us, you probably know about Badlands. And if you have not become a Badlands subscriber, now is the time. All the in-season content's coming. Season preview guide is coming, which is going to be really awesome, especially if you like the draft guide. Um, also, make sure to, if you're a New Jersey resident, you are 21 up. To use Profit Exchange, it's an awesome app. I just signed up. I'm super excited to use it this season when I'm betting on football. Um, and I know if you follow us, you've heard of it before, but definitely look into it. It's it's great. Um, and we really appreciate everyone tuning in. And we look forward to talking to you guys next week.